the Blaze Radio Network. On Demand. 2017 is going to be a volatile economic year. We may see politicians throughout the world attempting to control central bank policies. Several renowned financial analysts have warned that political interference in central bank policies may mean our economic misses of inflation and growth targets. Gold is an international currency that can't be issued or controlled by governments. If you don't have the only hard currency that has outlasted every politician and every failed idea of governments for centuries, you need to speak to Goldline right now and learn how easy it is to add gold to your portfolio or IRA. Now is the time to diversify your financial portfolio by adding gold. Call 1-800-913-GOLD. Buying real gold is easy and fast at Goldline. And you're going to be happy that you finally made the call. 1-800-913-4653. Goldline also offers price protection against short-term market fluctuations on qualifying purchases. So buy with confidence. Read Goldline's important risk information and find out if buying gold is right for you. Call Goldline. 1-800-913-4653. Prepare yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin flair. Vices? I don't have to show you any stinking vices! This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Glad you tuned in, everybody. It's the Chris Salcedo Show here on the Blaze. I am um, gratified beyond all description that you've made it here to the program. Let me... uh, let me give you some of the particulars. This is how you get in touch with me. First off, uh, the old-fashioned way, over the phone. 888-900-3393. 888-900-3393. It's a big show we had today, I think. Uh, we were able to make contact with the Texas governor. Uh, he is, as predicted yesterday on this program, the left wing has already launched a lawsuit. Problem is, guess what? The conservatives launched their lawsuit first. <laughs> and uh, the Attorney General of the state of Texas showing the rest of the country how it's done. Don't wait for the libs to follow suit. You sue them. They're the ones in the wrong. We'll get into that, too, here on the Chris Salcedo Show. Also going to have a discussion with one of the guys in the room with President Trump when they decided to go the way they decided to go on this Obamacare repeal and replace. And uh, basically a philosophical discussion. Has the Republican Party abandoned the free market? Has has the Republican Party abandoned uh, this idea that there needs to be an entitlement? There there can't be somebody between a patient and the doctor, somebody in the government. So we'll get into all those questions coming up. Uh, Catching the show live, blaze.com slash radio. Smartphone app for the Blaze. The smartphone app for iHeart. On demand, SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. And make sure you go to theblaze.com in the channel section. Find us there and follow us there on social media. The Facebook page is The Chris Salcedo Show. Also find an email link on there. And on Twitter, at Chris Salcedo, T-X, C-H-R-I-S-S-A-L-C-E-D-O-T-X, as in Texas. All right, time for the flip around. For those of you new to the program, the flip around is uh, uh, something our, our pals at Grabian, through their technology, helps us do. We basically just flip around. And uh, see what the cable talkers are talking about. And uh, we talk about it here on the Chris Salcedo Show. So let's uh, see what's happening over there at, well, we'll start off with the Fox News Channel. Days before voters there hit the polls in the, the runoff or the final round of voting, really, French election officials said a significant amount of data and some fake information wound up on social media. The apparent target 
the centrist candidate Emmanuel Macron, who won in a landslide despite the hacks. Rogers stopped short of saying that the Russian government was behind that hacking, but he did say that U.S. officials had become aware of Russian activity. Can we stop Shep Smith with all due respect? Macron is not a centrist. Macron, because the Socialist Party inside of France had received such a tarring and feathering in public opinion because Francois Hollande was a socialist. And uh, socialism and left-wingers were looked so, so down upon, he had to leave the Socialist Party and found his own party as somewhat of an outsider to win because he had to abandon the socialists because, well, they suck. And socialism sucks. And the people in France weren't going to buy it. So they had to lie to the people of France, and the people of France bought it. That's, in essence, what was happening there. So Macron is not a centrist. He's a leftist. And uh, the poor people of France have surrendered to their fate. European-style socialism and the inevitable inevitable decline that comes with it. Uh, let's go over to MSNBS. Presence in Afghanistan, start with a conversation with Russia to say, please don't arm the other side. Well, I think we do have to talk to the Russians. We also have to talk to our allies. So let's not forget that uh, NATO and that NATO countries, as well as countries outside of NATO, have been in there for a decade and a half with us. So they need to be consulted, too. But yes, we have to talk to the Russians, who uh, did indeed... Uh, end up in a quagmire themselves and had to pull out at the end of the 80s. If they're arming the Taliban, and it's not confirmed, but the commanders themselves are convinced of it. Is there any doubt in anybody's mind that Putin is arming terrorists? That's all Putin does is arm terrorists, right? Whether they're in Syria, whether they're in uh, Afghanistan, whether they're in Iran, that's all that man does is sell weapons and arm folks who want to slaughter Americans. That's what Vladimir Putin does. What, is there any doubt about that? Um, oh, by the way, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention what happened yesterday. And we'll probably get into this a little more extensively if we have time about Sally Yates' so-called testimony up on Capitol Hill yesterday. I didn't think there was anything that, that we learned that was particularly new. As a matter of fact, um, MS, while we're talking about MSNBS here, while we're waiting for CNN to actually do some news, uh, they're in a spot break, apparently. Uh, Democrat Chris Murphy was on MSNBS and, of course, asked once again, um, <clears throat> is there definitive proof that there was collusion between the Trump campaign and the Russians in the election? And once again, Chris Murphy was... Forced to respond with, we have no evidence of... How many more times do we have... You know, we're going to continue to ask this. I I would wager for four years until Democrats get the answer they want. Or some sort of... At least can muddy the waters so that there's some sort of suspicion. You keep on repeating something often enough, even though it's not true, it becomes, you know, ingrained in the ethos. But uh, here's Democrat Chris Murphy. Were there ties between the Trump campaign, direct ties, and Russia? Uh, former DNI, uh, 
Jim Clapper said, look, I can't make that claim. I can't find a straight line of collusion between the Trump campaign and Russia. No one has said that on an official level yet. Do you believe there's been collusion between the Trump campaign and Russia from what you know? So I, I, I don't know. We certainly don't have a smoking gun today, but it seems that this story is unfolding only in one direction, right? Every few weeks we get new evidence that suggests that there was more, not less. What? What evidence? What, Michael Flynn? Michael Flynn lying suggests collusion. Heck, you guys haven't even produced any evidence of collusion of Michael Flynn. The only thing you have is that he went over and he, he got some money. It was paid by a foreign interest, which is, is bad. Doesn't mean the guy coordinated to fix the election. Less coordination than we previously thought between the Trump campaign uh, and the Russian government. And I have a feeling that there's a number of additional chapters here. Uh <laughs> <laughs> There's, yes, and we're going to write those. As a matter of fact, those chapters have already been written in the basket of biased press. We're just going to keep on pressing and pressing and pressing and pressing until we can, you know, make those stories, those fictions, reality. Uh, that haven't been told, but no, today we don't have that direct, clear evidence of collusion between uh, Trump himself, uh, high levels of the campaign and the Russian government. That has been the answer for the last six months, hasn't it? That, well, now six, seven months now since the election. That has, been, that has been the answer. No evidence of collusion. Let's pop on over to CNN. Maternity care. This is about, you know, breastfeeding and okay. rape treatment. Sure. I'm a mother. I'm a mother. And absolutely, you're so right. And all of these 13 gentlemen on this committee right now, they are all elected officials. They weren't just elected by men. They are speaking on behalf of women who have issues like breastfeeding and child care and mothering. So but I think that they're here on behalf of their constituents. And if the constituents don't lash, like it, then they can on, vote for someone else. May I speak? It's my show. Absolutely. Why is it taking backlash for us to put these graphics up of these panels since Friday afternoon for them to take note and finally address the optics? I've the optics. It's that's all it is. It's optics. This that whole damn network. I, I, I just folks, the very idea that elected leaders do you have to have a woman present to address women's issues or to be sensitive to women's issues? Is absurd. And so, so can we conclude that every single time a woman sits down that you're not representing men's issues? You're not representing men's point of view? Can we? By the way, there's an all-woman panel up there on CNN right now. Where are the men? Huh? Where are the men? This, this, this gender warfare that is being set up by CNN, the leader of the basket of bias, infuriates the hell out of me. And it's, it's patently absurd. And you know what? The guest there was absolutely correct. As if these senators in that working group were elected solely by men. Good grief. And it's, it's just, oh, look, there's no women on the panel. No, we, we, we decided we would go, we would look beyond sex and race and division and just put the best qualified folks up there on the panel, said Mitch McConnell. And with all apologies to Chris Wallace over at Fox News, there's a Latino on the panel. His name is Ted Cruz. Uh, for, in case you guys missed this over the weekend, um, Chris Wallace declared the entire panel was uh, just a bunch of white guys. Um, not true. As if you got to have somebody of color on there. 
Got to have somebody of color on there because you know what? Uh, health care for blacks is different than health care for Hispanics, which is different than health care for whites. <laughs> you know, because, you know, uh, if you're a Latino uh, uh, parent, you want different health care for your child than a white parent does. Isn't that right? Chris Wallace, isn't that right, CNN? You guys are a bunch of dummies. Oh, look, the racist Republicans and the sexist Republicans, it's all... I am so sick and tired of this divisive race and gender politics. And it's all orchestrated from these leftists at places like CNN, the leader of the basket of bias. Why don't you talk about the issues for a change? This is, an is, this is not an issue. This is a division tactic, a divide and conquer tactic, long employed by the American left, well represented at CNN. I'll be back in a minute. It's the Salcedo Show on The Blaze. You're listening to The Chris Salcedo Show. The Blaze Radio Network. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-803-6951. Salcedo. Welcome back, everybody. Ellie, let me ask you a question. If, if you found out that it was a panel of all men trying to decide how the Senate was going to address the failure of Obamacare and put in, praise God, a system that got government the heck out of our health care decisions, is your first concern, oh my goodness, there are no women on that panel. Is that your first concern as a millennial and as a female? Is that, is, is that where, you, where your mind goes first? Honestly, no. No. I think, see, I think it's fair to say that you have more maturity and a, and an, uh, and a more succinct focus than those over at CNN. However, you have on your mind the business of solving problems or at least analyzing the problem. CNN is there to create problems. CNN is there to uh, create divisions. CNN is there to make life miserable for for Donald Trump. That's their job as they see it. It's It's not really what their job is, but it's what they've set themselves up to do. It's, it's, I am so sick and tired of, these, of the politics of division driven by the basket of bias press. Really tired of it. All right, let's uh, move on. Apparently, the... Who is this? Uh, the ACLU, the American Civil Liberties Union 
has issued a travel warning for the state of Texas. <laughs> Uh, okay. Texas Governor Greg Abbott on Sunday signed a bill that would ban sanctuary cities in his state. The bill, which had a blah, 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 the measure, blah, blah, blah. I'm looking for what, what they are saying. Um, oh man, I, maybe I should just go to the ACLU's website. But I can only imagine a travel alert for the state of Texas. So what, what I would recommend um, is that is that all of you illegal aliens out there who um, who are uh, you illegal alien felons out there? I would uh, really uh, uh, caution you not to come to the great state of Texas. I would uh, I would recommend you stay away now. For all of you legal immigrants and for all you citizens out there, the state of Texas is the home of liberty and freedom. It's a great great state to visit but all you illegal alien felons um stay away from texas go to california they love you out there all you illegal alien felons uh they let they let you out of jail so you can shoot innocent women <laughs> that's what california likes to do so go ahead you, you just go for it go to Cal all you illegal alien felons stay out of texas go to california they love you there they'll stand up for you there Go to New York. They love you there. They stand up for you there. Illegal alien felons. Go to Chicago. Although, I wouldn't even wish Chicago on illegal alien felons. <laughs> You're taking your life into your own hands when you go to Chicago. <laughs> Trust me on that. Uh, Washington Times, ACLU, issued travel alert to Americans on Tuesday, warning them that they could be entering a low-right zone if they go to Texas once the state's new anti-sanctuary law takes effect in September. Well, you know, it, uh, there's also a cautionary tale here, folks, for elected leaders who want to come to the state of Texas and violate the rule of law. Uh, you will also be perp-walked, which uh, I am elated about to no end. Now, we said this yesterday on the, on the Chris Salcedo show that it was only a matter of time. And we had a lawyer on talking about it that till legal challenges were filed. Well, one has been filed, but the Texas attorney general filed his first. <laughs> the Texas attorney general, a conservative guy by the name of Ken Paxton, filed a lawsuit against the city of Austin, which is sanctuary city. And uh, because they want they want they know this law is constitutional. They want to get it adjudicated and done and over with and declared constitutional so they can move on. Here he was on Fox News this morning, A.G. Ken Paxton. Uh, well, we we, uh, we had heard that they were not going to comply. We also heard about some other entities that were not going to comply. So instead of, instead of waiting for multiple lawsuits around the state and dealing with this over a long period of time, we decided let's get this on. We, we believe our law is constitutional and we're ready to go. So what you're doing is you're asking a federal court to uphold the legality or the constitutionality of your law, right? In other words, yep, the, the authorities down in your county, in, in Austin, have got to cooperate with the ICE agents. Absolutely. We're trying to move this up, the time frame up. 
We don't want to wait around. We believe this is absolutely constitutional. This similar law was passed in Arizona. It was upheld by the U.S. Supreme Court. And so we, why wait? We're ready to go. They're ready to go. There's Ken Paxton showing the rest of you folks in conservative states how to operate. Don't wait for the liberal left to attack you. You attack them. They're the ones that are stepping outside the law. Now, of course, the left-wingers are out there trying to undermine what Texas is doing. The city of Austin, they've made statements about this. Travis County, our, our, our sheriff there, Sally Hernandez, has made statements that she wouldn't enforce these. We've sued another entity to call MALDEF. They've talked negatively about our law, and we just decided why not just consolidate these and, and get it on and, and, and find out more quickly that our law is constitutional because we absolutely believe we'll win. All right, uh, let me read you the statement from the city of Austin and then we'll get your response. The statement says, our law enforcement professionals have told us this legislation will make our community less safe by degrading the relationship between our residents and the police who protect them. <laughs> Notice how she said the words residents. Not citizens, but residents. Because the American taxpayer must protect illegal aliens who came here without permission, utilizing city services and, and the like, paid for by the taxpayers of the United States. And, of course, the priority for the people of Austin and the people of Dallas, people of San Antonio, and to people of Chicago, people of Los Angeles, people of New York City, the priority is the illegal alien and making the illegal alien feel welcome. The law department will defend the protected speech of our mayor, city council members, and city manager who have been personally named in this lawsuit. I don't give a damn about you saying that you want to violate the rule of law, you left-wing kooks. Just do it. I don't want to, inf I don't want to infringe on your free speech rights. I just want you to obey the law. And then I want you in jail if you don't. The Chris Salcedo Show. We'll be right back. The Blaze Radio Network. Chris Salcedo is on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back, everybody. It's Chris Salcedo's show on the phone with me right now. Texas Governor Greg Abbott. Governor, welcome back to the Salcedo Show. Great to be back. Thanks. Going to fire some uh, statistics at you, which I think justifies exactly what you did, fulfilling a, a promise to the people of Texas. Heather McDonald in 2004 wrote that two-thirds of all outstanding felony warrants in the city of Los Angeles involved illegal aliens as well as 95% of outstanding murder warrants in nine month time frame in 2014 sanctuary city shielded 9,265 illegals from deportation. 62% of those had significant prior criminal histories and March of this year, according to us immigration and customs enforcement, local authorities released 206 illegal aliens in one week's time. Some of them, uh, a homicide suspect, a convicted arsonist, multiple individuals convicted of aggravated assault. And of course, the biggest black eye to the state of Texas was Travis County. Of those 206, 142 of those illegal alien felons were released back on the streets to victimize Texas citizens. I think that's testament to why the, the law that you just signed into law was so needed. Listen, this is gross negligence by public policy to release these people back out onto the streets. We all know the story about Kate Stanley. Kate Stanley would be with us alive today uh, had an ICE detainer been honored 
over in San Francisco. Uh, as governor, I cannot allow our fellow citizens to be subject to these types of dangers. I will not allow state policies uh, that release these criminals back out onto the streets. And that is precisely why uh, I signed that law banning sanctuary city policies in the state of Texas. Uh, two lawsuits I want to talk to you about. First off, the one brought by the state of Texas to Austin. Uh, heard uh, the attorney general, Ken Paxton, this morning saying, hey, we know our law is constitutional. We know our law is needed, so we're ready to go. So we're not even going to wait. Uh, would you comment on that lawsuit, sir? I think it was uh, a bright move to go ahead and file the lawsuit now. We knew that a lawsuit would be coming by the opposition, which I think may have been filed already. Uh, but also uh, what the Paxson lawsuit, uh, Paxson, of course, is the attorney general of Texas. What the Paxson lawsuit focuses on uh, is, one, uh, Travis County, the city of Austin, uh, and officials here in Austin and Travis County uh, who currently have a law and a provision that uh, a, a local uh, ordinance that would contravene the Texas ban on sanctuary city policies. Uh, the uh, sheriff of Travis County has a policy of releasing, meaning not honoring ICE detainer requests, uh, people who uh, have been, either been charged with or convicted of very serious and very dangerous crimes. We will not tolerate that here in Texas. And so I think it was the right thing uh, to file a lawsuit to shut them down right now uh, because they would be in violation of this new Texas law. And let's just get it decided in one court. Uh, and listen, on this legal decision, uh, the, 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 the issue that so many people are up in arms about uh, is the, is the a provision uh, that says that an officer may, but not is required to, uh, but may, whenever they make a stop for which they have probable cause, uh, can ask for identification to, to determine whether or not someone is here legally. Uh, that provision has already been upheld by the United States Supreme Court. So I yeah. think that uh, General Pax's lawsuit should be victorious. Oh, I, I concur. You know, and as as liberty loving Latino, uh, not to be confused, Governor, with loudmouth leftist Latinos in this state, I have no worries whatsoever about what this sanctuary city bill does. The other lawsuit, by the way, we're talking with Governor Greg Abbott, folks, here in the great state of Texas. The other lawsuit yeah, I think you were making reference to was El uh, Sinizo, Texas, uh, suing the state, saying that th th this town's local constitution protects illegals. Now, uh, I'm amazed that when when you've got uh, people in Washington, D.C., for example, as it was the case with the federal government and Barack Obama versus Arizona's SB 1070, liberals say, well, you know, there's the supremacy uh, and the federal government trumps the states. But when you have a, a clear case of state law trumping a town law, uh, liberals seem to forget that convention of how we do things here in the United States. You think that's rather convenient, sir? <laughs> well, you're exactly right. Uh, the way that the uh, Texas Constitution and laws work uh, is uh, that state law preempts local law to the extent local law is contrary to state law. And so this should be uh, a lay down easy victory. Who knows when we get down into the court down there what's going to happen. But what I do know is when we get up to the Texas Supreme Court, Texas will be victorious on that lawsuit also. All right. Uh, a couple of other things I wanted to touch base with you on today. Uh, I, I am perfectly OK with this, Governor, because I think it's you reaching out to a constituency that you need to reach out to. And uh, individuals on the left have been have been utilizing the faith community to push their left wing agenda. I have n without consequence. But the Democrat Morning News, that's my that's my not so affectionate name for the, the Dallas Morning News. The Democrat Morning News governor is taking issue with you reaching out to these mega churches and saying, hey, folks, uh, just want to make sure that you guys tell your congregations about what's at stake with SB six. Uh, 
I have no problem with it, but would you answer some of your critics who, who do have a problem with you doing this? Well, I think as governor, my job is to speak with my constituents. Uh, these pastors were concerned uh, about the possibility of uh, uh, no law passing that would protect the safety uh, of women and children uh, in bathrooms. Uh, and so th they asked me uh, if, if I would weigh in and make sure uh, that we got something passed. And I, I said, uh, well, of course. And, and they said, well, what is the best thing to do? I said, if you, if you really want to have something passed, uh, you need uh, to make sure uh, that you make contact with the members of the House, because this is where this is being held up, is being held up in the House of Representatives. And the people who make the decision over here are, are going to be the members. Uh, and so I said, if, if you really want to know what needs to be done, you need to contact the members of the Texas House of Representatives. Yeah, if I had a dollar for every single time, I've said if conservatives, if you want to, if you want to see your conservative values get get advanced, you're going to have to call the Texas House and, and prompt them to do something. Uh, look, Governor, i got to tell you, we are very proud here on the Salcedo Show, and I'd be remiss if I didn't pass on some of the, the grassroots feedback we've had for your efforts on, on Article 5, uh, the Convention of the States. Texas will be in a leadership role. I know it was a priority, sir. You're pretty happy about that? Absolutely. It, it was uh, something that I, I felt confident would pass out. And this is the kind of thing that Texas is a leader on. Uh, and this is what I uh, was involved in, in those 31 lawsuits that I filed against the federal government. Uh, I saw firsthand the way that the federal government had come unhinged from the United States Constitution. And when I say federal government, I'm not just talking about federal government uh, across the board. Uh, each branch of government, the, the presidency, Congress and the judiciary have all abandoned the United States Constitution. So it is time for Texas to take a leading role in employing a tool that the founders gave to us when they wrote the Constitution and they embedded it in Article 5. And that is for the people uh, to rise up and say, listen, enough is enough. Uh, we need to correct the errors of the ways that the Constitution has mis been misinterpreted. And this Article 5 Convention of States is the way that Madison, uh, that uh, Hamilton said was the right way for the Constitution to be amended. Yeah, uh, I could just tell you, give you some feedback, Governor, on all three platforms of the Salcedo Show. We put up your work on Article 5 and your your uh, work on the Sanctuary Cities Bill, and the, the refrain has been this. Thank you, Governor Greg Abbott. Thank you for doing what you promised. And uh, you have the gratitude as well from the Chris Salcedo Show, sir, for being here today and also following through on your promises. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much. God bless. And folks, I was uh, remiss. Uh, I, I should have defined for all of you who are not uh, privy to Texas politics about SB6. SB6 is the bathroom bill, the infamous bathroom bill. Uh, for those of you who are paying attention to the debate in, in North Carolina, it's something that's similar, but uh, the, the state of Texas is basically standing up for the privacy of women in bathrooms and, and, you know, to be quite frank, the privacy of men as well. Uh, what the bill does, SB6 in the state of Texas, is it basically says, look, if you are a, if you are a local municipality, a local government, you cannot fine a restaurant or a business if they want to have a men's room and a ladies' room and they want to enforce it. So, for example... You're a restaurant and somebody complains, hey, there's a guy in here who is in the ladies' room and you and the management walks up to him and says, look, uh, this is the ladies' room. You can't be in here. And the man says, hey, I identify as a woman today. Under what liberals want to do in the state of Texas, and they already tried this down in the city of Houston, and many liberals across the country are trying this. Under, uh, under liberal laws, 
liberals would be able to find the business. How dare you question that man with a five o'clock shadow and a pair of jeans and a t-shirt? He said he was a woman. Who are you as the store owner to question him? But my other patrons, they're, they're, they're feeling intimidated and they're feeling less safe and it's, it, it, it's not right. What SB6 will allow is, well, it basically forbid a city from punishing a business with fines because they want to have a stall or, or a bathroom for one woman and a bathroom for, or, for men, for men and women. The left-wingers are, are trying to say this will allow folks to discriminate. Nothing could be further from the truth. It will prevent uh, individuals from, uh, you know, being perverted out there and having the rule of law or a city ordinance to hide under. And there are also some uh, issues in the, in the schools that it will not allow the schools to uh, make their showers co-ed. It will not allow the, uh, the schools to... Um, to basically say, well, this guy, this kid identifies as transgender, thus he, you know, he'll be able to use the the girls' locker room and vice versa. Um, so that that's what SB six is all about, and that's what the governor was weighing in on. Telephone number you want to weigh in on what we've talked about so far, folks? Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three eight 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 nine zero zero three three nine three. Back in a minute on the Salcedo Show here on the Blaze. The Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. The law department will defend the protected speech of our mayor, city council members, and city manager who have been personally named in this lawsuit. So they don't think they're going to be as safe with this law. What's your response? Well, to me, just the opposite. I mean, there's no benefit that I can see to what Sally Hernandez has done, which is that she has said, I'm not going to cooperate with ICE. I'm not going to turn over criminals who have committed crimes in our state. There's really no upside that I can see for our county, for our citizens, and so I, I would just disagree. I think they're wrong. I think they're wrong, too. Welcome back, everybody. It's the Chris Alcedo Show. So there is, uh, there is one component to what this Texas law does, because remember the target. It's not illegals, necessarily. It's the elected leaders who think it's okay to enable illegal alien felons, to protect illegal alien felons. They are the primary target of this law. Now, as is the case with so many leftists, so many liberals. Of course, that's just racist. I mean, you've got morons like Wanda Sykes out there. <laughs> the repeal of Obamacare is racist. Oh, shut up. You unintelligent, uninformed moron. That's, you know, th- the good news is, folks, is it that that they, they've gone to the well way too many times on the racism stuff? I mean, you saw the pushback that we gave Chris Wallace for not recognizing that Ted Cruz is a Latino and he's on that working group for the Senate version of the repeal of of and or the amendment of Obamacare. And it shows like this shows like my good buddy Lawrence Lawrence Jones. 
we, we are pushing back very hard, and I think the blaze is leading the way on this, that simply, it's simply because you don't get your way in a left-wing policy doesn't mean that your opposition is racist. I mean, there is nothing that is Latino about socialized medicine. There is nothing that is black about allowing uh, officials in government to openly and wantonly violate the law and put citizens of the United States at risk. But that, that's, you know, we joked when this law was passed, there were going to be libs out there who, who said, that's unconstitutional. You can't force us. You can't force a liberal to follow the law. That's unconstitutional. And, and damned if they're not doing it. <laughs> right? Right here in front of our eyes. And here is a, a Fox News talking with the Attorney General Paxton saying, oh yeah, here comes the race card. Well, there was one other comment uh, in the press yesterday from an Austin uh, city councilwoman by the name of Delia Garza. She said, I think when the Texas attorney general is suing you, you're doing something right. We often said we disagree with Senate Bill 4 and its intent. I think this sends a message that Hispanics are not welcome in Texas. And uh, no, well, first off, I'm broadcasting from Texas. I feel perfectly welcome. Of course, I'm a liberty loving Latino. I'm not a loudmouth leftist Latino like Garza who believes that the, the law is only a suggestion that she doesn't have to follow and that she can, she can enable illegal alien felons to get back out on the streets. And you guys heard the stats I gave to the governor that, il, that these sanctuary cities are letting out illegal alien felons to victimize U.S. citizens. That's no bueno in the rhetoric, folks. And... Hispanics and blacks and whites all over America are tired of Democrats putting us at risk for their own political advancement. Hispanics are not valued. Mr. Attorney General, how do you respond to the last part of that statement? First of all, this was overwhelmingly passed by the legislature. Both houses signed by the governor. It is what the will of the people want. They want a safe place. They want to be protected. And we would just disagree with their, their, their assessment. This is designed to protect every mm -hmm. citizen, no matter what their ethnicity. And ultimately, we think it'll work. Much more diplomatic than I would have been. I would have said to Ms. Garza, look, uh, sweetie, your, your suggestion that if it's illegal, it must be Latino. I take great offense to it. I'm a Latino, and I do not believe in violating the rule of law. Uh, it's, not, it's not because you're a Latino that you, that you want to violate the rule of law. It's because you're a liberal that you want to do that. And it's why I oppose them, folks. All right, hour two of the Salcedo Show up next. Stay with us here on The Blaze. You're listening to The Chris Salcedo Show. Part of Generation Blaze. On The Blaze Radio Network. Prepare yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin flair. Vices. I don't have to show you any stinking vices. This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. And welcome back, everybody. It's Chris Salcedo Show. I'm happy you have tuned into the program. 888 9003393 that is a phone number I am your liberty loving latino do not confuse me with loudmouth leftist latinos out there I actually love the united states uh, catch up with me on social media at chris salcedo tx at c h r i s 
S-A-L-C-E-D-O-T-X, and then on uh, Facebook, The Chris Salcedo Show. There's an email link right there, a button, I should say. Uh, I still don't know what to make of this. Well, I mean, I know why it's happening, and I know who's to blame, but I, I think that this next story is a good case to allow California to secede from the union. I got into a discussion, and I don't want to tell you who it is with, who it was with, but I got into a discussion about the dollars and cents of California seceding. And the discussion dovetailed into whether or not they were a net drag or a net gain on the United States. And the evidence that was shown to me was that California is full of a bunch of takers. Illegal aliens, liberals. And that without the United States to backstop all their socialism, and in some places communism, that California would fall. And when I hear stories coming out of the Sacramento Bee, like I like I heard, I'm man, my reaction is don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you. Get out. The state assembly voted on Monday, that was yesterday, to approve a bill that would eliminate cold era language that allows Californians to fire any state worker who is a communist. In this clip, uh, Assemblyman Bob Bonta, Democrat from Almeida, California, introduces his bill before facing opposition from Assemblyman Travis Allen R. Uh, Allen, Travis Allen, a Republican from Huntington Beach. Uh, sorry, this uh, article isn't well formatted. Anywho, uh, I'm not going to play the audio for you. Oh, maybe I should. Hold on a minute. Let me see if it will actually load up properly. Yes, and of course, I knew there was going to be a pop-up ad. But uh, at any rate, I um, this this whole uh, proposition of that what, what you and I would have found just a few short years ago to be patently unacceptable, the, the very idea that you, we would employ in any government in the United States, uh, someone who was dedicated to undermining the United States. We are a capitalist system, freedom, liberty, and replace and having individuals who had a different outlook on the United States, that capitalism was wrong and that communism is the way to go. It, it, it would be like, it, it's just like us hiring Al-Qaeda. Let's, let's hire radicalized Islamic fundamentalist terrorists. And hey, I'm joking now, but don't think California is not going to uh, stop the prohibition of radicalized Islamic fundamentalist terrorists from serving in their government soon. It's funny now, but they may just do it, these leftists. Uh, let's listen to uh, Rob Bonta. Democrat from Almeida. Mr. Bonte, you may open. Thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker and colleagues. AB 22 is a cleanup bill that removes archaic and outdated references to the Communist Party in our state law, specifically those stating that a public employee may be dismissed from employment if he or she advocates or is knowingly a member of the Communist Party. There's also another reason is that 
a growing number of Democrat supporters are from the Communist Party. <laughs> and they need them in, in political patronage jobs, and they need them in, in services jobs. But again, why would you want to employ individuals on taxpayer money who have a view that want to undermine the government in which they're serving? It's impossible to be a communist and serve faithfully a capitalist system. It's impossible. It's, it's just like, as I said, it's just like hiring Al-Qaeda to run your national defense. <laughs> it's, this is patently absurd. Patently absurd. But leave it to a Democrat, Rob Bonta, Democrat from Alameda, California, to propose it. These archaic references should be removed from existing law and updated so that the law focuses on the actions of individuals. Oh, yes, let's update it. Let's call them not communists. Let's just call them Democrats. <laughs> I mean, seriously, that's where this party has descended into, in particular in California. Resident Obama leading the way every step of the way. And evidence of their conduct. I respectfully ask for your I vote. Thank you, Mr. Bonta. Mr. Allen, you are recognized. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. This bill is blatantly offensive to all Californians. Uh, in my district alone, we have the Vietnamese Americans who had to flee a communist regime, which is why they're now in Orange County. You take a look at the number of people that communism has killed in the 20th century alone, it's over 90 million. Communism stands for everything that the United States stands against. We're for freedom. We are for justice. We are for democracy. We are for the rule of law. And communism is none of these things. To allow subversives and avowed communists to now work for the state of California is a direct insult to the people of California that pay for that government. I urge you no vote. And then it passed. And then it passed. The Communists California. Cal maybe that's in their next... Uh, their next Chamber of Commerce ad buy. All the communists around the world come to California. We'll put you to work. Because we're good little leftists out in the People's Republic of California. What a joke. What a, what a hilarious joke California has, has become. A disgrace. Uh, a wart on the ass of the United States, California. It's what it is. <laughs> it's, I, I'm sorry. It's just, it, uh, look, maybe I, I am just a product of my era, Generation X. And maybe I just know too much that so many of these leftists out there in California, because, you know, courtesy of the government-run education system out there, they're not teaching kids anymore about the perils of communism and the millions of, of slaughtered individuals because they didn't fall in line with government edicts. A system that is predicated on a centralized government controlling your life. <laughs> uh, Wesley, thank you very much for the suggestion on Twitter. Commiecrats? <laughs> Commiecrats. Kind of like that. It's Commie California. Remember how Arnold Schwarzenegger used to call it California? I'm the governor of California. <laughs> it's California. California. Welcome to it. 
Um, I, I, I guess I can't come up with an adjective strong enough in verbiage to express my disgust and my vehement um, revulsion at what California has descended into, the, the pile of crap that, that California has descended into. And that's what it is. A state that signs on to allowing communists to serve, serve, to undermine government. I'm sorry. If I were, if, well, I got to pay some, I got to, I got to pay some phone calls on the break to my, my family on California. It's time to go, folks. Time to go. Back in a minute, the Chris Salcedo Show here on The Blaze. This is the Chris Salcedo Show. The Blaze Radio Network. You're taking in a little Latin flair with Chris Salcedo on the Blaze Radio Network. Coming up on the Salcedo Show, folks, we'll have a discussion with a sitting congressman who was in the room with Donald Trump. He and uh, a couple of other congressmen were trying to hammer out this, this deal that paved the way for the House of Representatives to pass this amendment to Obamacare and get it over to the Senate. Now, where it's going to go with the Senate, we'll ask him about this, too. But the nuts and bolts of this discussion will be part one. Part two is going to be a philosophical discussion. And I'm going to try to get on as, as many Republicans as I possibly can onto this program to have this philosophical discussion. And the philosophical discussion is this. Where is the Republican Party? You all know that I have uh, a great deal of consternation that, in my view... The Republican Party has accepted Barack Obama and the Democrats' take that we need a massive entitlement that stands between the patient and the doctor. And it's wrong-headed. It fails every single time that it's implemented. But we're moving headlong right into it. I want to know where the Republican Party is. And I will ask Congressman Michael Burgess, when he comes into the Chris Salcedo show. Meantime, first, it was Colbert. Then it was Jimmy Kimmel. Then it was Jimmy Kimmel again. Jimmy Kimmel coming onto the air last night and, you know, rather snarky saying, well, pardon me for wanting to make sure that kids have health care. Well, I don't think anybody will disagree that kids should have health care. What will disagree with you on Jimmy Kimmel is whether socialism is the answer. And people of goodwill can disagree on that. You're a big socialist freak? Cool. I'm not. So let's debate it. But to get on the air and say, well, pardon me for thinking that kids should have health care. No, that's not the debate, sir. And, it, and you're smart enough to know that's not the debate, sir. Or maybe you're not. I don't know. So you got Kimmel and Colbert and now Bill Maher, who, you know, sometimes he says stuff that we agree with. I'm, I'm going to be honest. But this one is 
is over the top. I'm sorry to say, but it's over the top. And the, the previous two, and I'm making air quotes with my fingers, comedians, and what you're about ready to hear Bill Maher say, imagine if something equal had been said about Barack Obama by a conservative, quote-unquote, funny man. It never would have been tolerated. I was watching Brit Hume talk about what Colbert had said, that if a conservative had said that joke about uh, Donald Trump's, the only thing that Donald Trump's mouth is good for is to be a receptacle for Vladimir Putin's manhood. Uh, if that had been said about Barack Obama, that individual would not be employed. I guarantee you, they would not be employed. If it's a degradation of the culture, if it's a loss of civility, you can trace it right back to the left wing. It's always the left wing. And Bill Maher crossed that line. He was talking with somebody, didn't, doesn't matter who. And was talking about the calming influence that many liberals thought that the liberal Ivanka Trump and her husband Jared Kushner would be on Donald Trump. And then Mr. Marr made this joke. Now there's, I'm going to have to describe what Mr. Marr is doing because you won't, it won't be apparent from the audio that you're hearing. We'll let you listen to the audio first. A lot of us thought, oh, Ivanka is going to be our saving grace, you know, when he's about to f nuke Finland or something. She's going to walk into the bedroom and, you know, yeah, daddy, daddy. <laughs> Don't do it, daddy. You know, I, um, uh, Mr. Marr was making a gesture with his hand that indicated what Ivanka Trump, the daughter of Donald Trump, would be doing to him. It's about as descriptive as I want to get into it, but it was a, an incestual act. Bill Maher joked the President of the United States com would commit incest with his own daughter. I mean, it's it's funny for liberals to joke about this because of what uh, Donald Trump had said about Ivanka, completely taken out of context. But um, this is this is where our level of discourse has descended, and it's courtesy of the extremist left wing. It's also descended into these realms in the classroom. We are on the lookout. Constantly for examples of, of, of poster children, if you will, for choice in government education, choice in education away from government education. And this uh, this uh, story actually qualifies a Spanish teacher in Colorado was placed on administrative leave after photos and videos surfaced of high school students smashing a pinata she had set up. This pinata was adorned with a face of the President of the United States. Let me repeat that. A teacher, a teacher in a government-run school, Roosevelt High, 
unspecified threat forced the school Roosevelt High to cancel its classes Monday after consulting with Jonestown Police Department, which is handling the investigation. We determined that more time was needed to assess the credibility of the threat and ensure the safety of our students. Um, this was a Cinco de Mayo celebration, putting the face of Donald Trump on a pinata and allowing students to, to bash it. And this comes from a government-run school teacher. School choice, folks. School choice. I can guarantee you that a vast majority of parents, if they had the ability, would yank their children out of this pathetic school. And, that, and that's the reason why so many liberals fight against school choice. Because they know that they have a captive audience right now. There's no place. If you don't have the means, you can't go anywhere. So you got to sit there and you got to take their crap and you got to take their indoctrination and your kids get exposed to this garbage left and right. And there's nothing parents can do about it because a lot of them are so poor that they won't be able to make the choice and leftists know it. So they fight to keep to, for the ability to keep indoctrinating your kids. And again, this loss of civility sponsored by the Democrat Party and the American left wing. My question to all of you conservatives within the sound of my voice, because liberals don't have the stones to listen to this program. How much longer are you going to take this? How much longer are you going to allow liberals to, to basically teach your children opposite what you're teaching them at home? How long are you going to keep this up? Because look at who's running these schools. Telephone numbers 888 888-900-3393. 888-900-3393. Up next, my conversation with Dr. and Congressman Michael Burgess. Uh, Mr. Burgess sits on several committees and he was in the room with Donald Trump and a couple other congressmen when they were hammering out details on how to get this, well, whatever the American Health Care Act is. It wasn't freedom. It wasn't liberty. Maybe it was less socialism than Obama. I guess we can call it that. But he was in the room, so we'll ask him about that. We'll ask him about what's going on with the Senate, and then we'll ask him, where is the Republican Party? Do they still stand for freedom and liberty and getting government out of our way? 888-900-3393. The Chris Salcedo Show. On the Blaze Radio Network. The Chris Salcedo Show. Listen. Dial. What this tells you is that when President Trump 
brought Billy Long, Fred Upton, Two Greg Walden, and Dr. Burgess into his office last week and said, fellas, let's work it out. Let's make sure that this pre-existing condition is taken care of. President Trump made it happen, which should show every American how committed he is to making sure that if you have a pre-existing condition, this president is not going to let you down. Okay. President Trump's chief of staff, Reince Priebus, talking on Fox News Sunday about those who were involved sitting down and talking with President Trump about the ability to move forward the American Health Care Act out of the House and over to the Senate. Let's talk about one of those congressmen who was mentioned in that cell by Congressman and Dr. Michael Burgess, representing the 26th Congressional District in the great state of Texas since 2003, currently serving on the prestigious House Energy and Commerce Committee, chairman of the Subcommittee on Commerce, Manufacturing and Trade, also a member of the Rules Committee Dr. Burgess founded and currently serves as co-chair of the Congressional Health Caucus, I should say. Congressman, welcome back to the Salcedo Show. Chris, it's so good to be with you back in the land of normalcy. I, I appreciate you having me on. And I well, actually, I did not, I did not know about that soundbite you were going to play. That uh, I didn't watch the Sunday shows as, I guess, as studiously as I should have. So thank you for uh, providing me that little bit of insight. Oh well, no, no problem. And you know, of course, immediately what I wanted to ask you when we got you on is, what did you talk about inside of the Oval Office with the president? What was, what was some of the uh, the the politicking, as much as you can you can reveal, that went into this? Well, let me just say for, you know, the people who say that uh, Donald Trump is, uh, you know, he's out of his depths on on what he's doing. I mean, I, I was watching someone who was absolutely in control of the situation, probably telling us stuff that we should know about other members and, and where they were on the potential of, of voting for this thing. The president understood very clearly that um going to be hard for him to move forward with his agenda if he doesn't get Congress to uh, the House at least to pass something related to health care. So he was he was deeply involved in it and, and deeply involved in the in the nuts and bolts. I, I won't say that here's someone who's really understood the policy part uh, as completely as someone else from day one, but he really has involved himself in this in the process, in the policy, and uh, as a consequence, I left from that meeting feeling very confident that here is someone who, number one, they know he knows what he's doing. He knows the body with which he is working, being the House of Representatives. He knows... Uh, Oh, Chris, just between you and me, at one point I thought it was like reading one of those old uh, those books about how Lyndon Johnson was at the Master of the Senate. I mean, he he knew he knew people that for someone who's been there just a few months. I mean, how in the world would you know the people that the, the members of the House in the detail that he knows them? Then that's his business. That's what he did as a, as a businessman, as a negotiator. It was his business to know uh, the, the, where, where everyone at the table was coming from. And he had a very, very, very good sense of that. All right. Uh, let's, uh, let's talk about your ear on the ground and your colleagues over in the United States Senate. What do you think they are going to do? With the, uh, the, the easy money says they're going to come up with their own bill that looks nothing like what you guys came up with in the House. Well, God bless them. God bless them. That's, that's their prerogative. And uh, I've heard several of them say that. Uh, haven't heard much from Leader McConnell, and obviously he is the, he's the big player here. And I do know that he and the president speak. Um, so it's um, likely there, there are some, some things afoot that, that you and I will not know about as mere mortals. But, um, yeah, that, that's right. It goes to the Senate. I would, 
I would offer you this prediction, Chris, and for the people who have criticized me because the, the bill wasn't as conservative and didn't hew to conservative principles as much as people wanted it to, uh, it's not likely to get more conservative in the United States Senate. Just a <laughs> prediction that I would offer you here, flat-footed on the ground. Well, I think that's a, that's a fairly safe bet. Congressman and Dr. Michael Burgess, my guest right now, 26th congressional district in the state of Texas, and one of the, one of the key players in, in helping move forward the Obamacare Amendment uh, bill out of the United States House of Representatives into the Senate. So let's, now, you, you made allusion to it, so let's you and I get philosophical here for a minute. Uh, I, I want you to give me your read and give me your honest appraisal of where you are and where the Republican caucus is. We, we were one of those voices very critical of what had happened with this whole idea of repeal and replace. We were in favor, as you know, of repeal and deregulate, of repeal Obamacare and then remove government from the decision-making process between patient and, and, uh, and, and doctor. I, I agree what, with that, absolutely, and I would add to that, uh, nor should we allow the insurance company to interpose itself. So as a, as a, you know, hewing to a true libertarian philosophy, nothing should get between the doctor and the patient. I recognize that when you involve federal payers, you do involve federal rules. When you involve third-party payers, you involve rules that affect those, those folks. So it's, it becomes a little less crisp. Uh, whether it's the government paying for it, whether it's an insurance company that's paying for it, it's the old, uh, uh, he that has the gold makes the rules. But wow. at the same time, at the same time, it is not my job to protect insurance companies. It's my job to protect patients and, and providers, physicians, hospitals, uh, insurance companies. And um, again, just between you and me, they are a necessary evil. Uh, but there's no reason that federal law should bend over backwards to protect an insurance company. Now, having said that, I also recognize that without a viable and robust insurance market, the number of people who are going to be covered at a reasonable cost is probably diminished. I think we've. Well, seen I know, that but uh, with Congressman, Obama, with, with all with all due respect, with all due respect, and and this is and this is why I, w- I wanted to get your feeling and get your honest read. Because Charles Krauthammer is out there, one of the conservative thinkers on our side, saying we're going to have single payer within seven years because the Republican Party has surrendered on this idea that that uh, that, that and, and they have basically agreed with Obama that government has a role here. It's something I fundamentally disagree on. But I wanted you to give your personal take and also give me a read of your colleagues in the House of Representatives. Has the Republican Party agreed with the Democrat Party that there is an entitlement that is needed here between between patients and doctors? Well, first off, and, and I appreciate you pointing out that it is my personal opinion, and that's what I'm giving you right now. I'm not speaking as a member of the committee or certainly chairman of the subcommittee. I'm giving you my opinion. I also disagree with Dr. Krauthammer. He is a very smart individual, so it's with some, some trepidation that I ever disagree with him, but I don't think he's right on this instance. And honestly, what I saw at the beginning of the year as 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 this was this whole process was unfolding i saw a lot of activity by our governors in a bipartisan fashion and the governors were asking for the flexibility within the medicaid system within their own health care systems within their state and that's uh, my opinion that's a good tenth amendment approach to what bedevils health care in this country it is different in massachusetts and texas and as a consequence our state organizations should be the ones that largely are in in charge of this and it is 
I know it's offensive sometimes to the governors, and I would like to to limit this. It is it is unreasonable to ask them to come to Washington to ask for permission every time they want to try something new, every time they want to innovate within their state uh, their state health system, which is Medicaid. It's a shared federal state responsibility, but the federal government asserts far too much authority and will not allow the states to take care of people the way the state might envision. And that has been historically, in my opinion, that has been a significant problem. This bill, for all of the faults that people are quick to point out, does provide a great deal more flexibility for the states. And I think, you know, it's a step in the right direction, Chris. Is it? Is it? Does it get immediately to where every liberty-loving Latino wants to get? No, but it is a step along the way, and it is certainly. Well, look, take a step back, and we're in case we had the government shutdown over over Obamacare. Remember that? Right, and right. Then President President Obama. Uh, <laughs> I know you're no fan, but President Obama gets on the airwaves and he lectures us, and he says. You know, if you want to affect policy, you need to win an election. And so we did. We won the Senate, and then we won the White House, and no one expected that to happen. So now, having won those two elections, is it reasonable to try to bend things back to a more market-based, to a more state-centric program? I think that it is. Now, right. I and I, you know what? That it, I want in this bill? No, I'm not. But at the same time, I do think it's a step in the right direction. I got and about look at what the Senate does. Yeah, I got about 30 seconds, Congressman. So I just first off, give me your read. Do you think the Republican Party has agreed with the Democrat Party that there needs to be an entitlement here, and that's why they came up with a replacement bill? I don't. But at the same time, uh, I mean, that's what you had the President of the United States talking about. Was when he campaigned was repeal and replace, so that did become part of the uh, became part of the language. It I understand. Was different from our reconciliation bill from a year ago. All right, hey Congressman, look, only. we we were we heap praise on you because you're very accessible. You always come on and you and you, you you try to tackle as honestly as you possibly can, and we get a sense of that at least some of these tough issues. And uh, uh, as always, you were the first one. <laughs> we're going to get other Republicans on as well. Hopefully, who will come on and want to have this conversation with us. But. Uh, and 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 my view is is one of those folks in the conservative movement. These discussions have to be had about where we're headed as a country and where the Republican Party actually stands. Congressman and Doctor Michael Burgess, everybody, District Twenty Six in the great state of Texas, sir. Always appreciate the visit here on the Salcedo Show. Great, thank you, Chris. Anytime. Back in a minute on the Salcedo Show here on the Blaze. Keep up with the Chris Salcedo Show on Facebook and on Twitter at Chris Salcedo TX. Just another way to stay in touch with Chris on the Blaze Radio Network. Did you guys hear that Shaq could be running for office for sheriff? Do you guys know this? ESPN uh, reporting. Shaquille O'Neal says he's thinking about running for uh, office in Atlanta, or maybe it's in it's someplace in Georgia. Uh, O'Neal didn't clarify to WXIA where he would enter the sheriff's race. Uh, the 2000 NBA MVP holds residency in Florida and Georgia. This is not about politics for me. It's something that I always wanted to do. It's just about bringing people closer together, Shaq said Friday. Now, I've always liked Shaq. He's, not, he's never been overtly political. 
but he's always he's always seemed to have a mind to want to give back. First off, talk about an intimidating figure. <laughs> number one, but number two, uh, think about how much guts it takes in this environment to get into law to to want to get into law enforcement. I mean, because of the American left, our uh, our police officers are treated so shabbily around this country. And, and, and imagine doing this and, and getting, getting into it. Uh, and, and with the current atmosphere, and Shaquille O'Neal uh, could be one of those guys who helps turn the tide back to some sense of normalcy, back to where the communities covet their police officers rather than berate them. So uh, all all uh, thumbs up from the Salcedo show to Shaq. I'm uh, I'm very pleased to hear that he might be he might be uh, up for uh, up for election. Okay, uh, there was a the Fox News Channel this weekend was con- uh, we we played the chief of staff to the president Ryan's Priebus and Chris Wallace uh, right after he had this conversation about you know health care and the and the whole negotiation there thereabouts he he decided he'd hit the trump administration official with a a piece that was offered by the new york times now the new york times is infamous for being liberal for being biased and for putting out a lot of propaganda masquerading as news but it doesn't stop chris wallace over at fox news sunday from hitting administration officials well the new york times wrote it yeah so the heck what Believe me, folks, that the phrase the New York Times wrote it doesn't carry as much heft as it used to. The New York Times had a front page story yesterday that talks about you and how much you had riding on passing Obamacare repeal and replace through the House. I want to put up. I'm sure you're going to love these quotes. They report you viewed it as a personal make or break moment. Another big loss on health care would probably have been an unrecoverable blow to an already weakened Mr. Priebus. <laughs> so other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, true? Uh, no, uh, but I remember the last time I was on your show, there was another quote from the New York Times, and I think it was something on the lines of that the person that people are pointing to most for the failure of Obamacare was Reince Priebus. Uh, and I kind of joked, I think at the time, I was like, so when it passes, am I going to be the one person in America that gets all the credit? <laughs> First off, there's two things there. Number one, Reince Priebus is absolutely right. That it's only, it, it only works one way to disparage someone in the Republican Party, never to give credit when something goes through or succeeds, number one. Number two, isn't it telling that every single time an administration official comes on to Fox News Sunday, or at least the last two times that Ryan's Priebus has appeared, uh, Chris Wallace is drawing from the New York Times to beat them over the head with something. <laughs> I mean, I was like, wow, really? Now, now that you mention it, Ryan's, I mean, it's, uh, it's, you're right. Every single time you come on there, it's, a, it's Chris Wallace and his buddies over the New York Times. For the passage? Of course not. And the president knows that. It's ridiculous. One person in the West Wing among thousands of participants it, it doesn't make or break. The point, of the, the, the point of it is it was a team effort, but it was led by our quarterback, President Trump. And I can say with assurance to everyone, without President Trump, and I think the speaker would say this and everyone in between, 
this would have never happened and got out of the house. He did it. He brought people together, and it was a leadership that we haven't had for eight years, years previously to get these kinds the, of things. The White House, uh, the New York Times accused you of being a nice guy, which only in Washington would be considered a character flaw. How do you plead, Mr. Priebus? I think I'm a nice guy, but I didn't get here by accident. Yeah. Note to the New York Times. He didn't get there by accident. Remember, everybody, society's worth is not measured by how much power is seized by government, but rather how much power is reserved for we, the people. Have a great day. Hump day tomorrow. Back here, 3 o'clock Eastern. This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Hey.